Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your Tailgaters Podcast. Your Tailgaters Podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Network. I'm Kevin Borba. He is Sergio Lea Esperea. And we are going to try our best to speak English, talk about college football, and everything in between. Sergio, I mean, how you doing? I'm doing well. I could also speak Spanish if you need. I am I am fully bilingual. Grew up, uh, am a Colombian-American. Grew up in a Colombian household. So for me, it's it's no hay dificultad, Borba, I can barely to switch speak, it up. I can barely speak the one language. So let's just stick <laughs> with the one I can barely speak. <laughs> uh, we have some... Some things to discuss. One of them, probably not your favorite no, topic. No, we don't. We have we, nothing to talk about today. It's only recruiting. It's only draft. Um, what's it called? Speculations. Draft prep. Nope, that's it. Yeah. Nope. So with the draft three months away, we actually have a full <laughs> mock, seven round mock draft. We're ready to go. Seven round mock <laughs> with undrafted free agents and preferred free agents ready to go. No, we're going to start with the biggest game in college football that happened just this past Monday. The Georgia Bulldogs took on Alabama in the national championship. And Sergio, when I tell you this game caught me by surprise, it caught me by surprise. Okay, I figured, and this is this is how I feel like most people outside of Florida fans were kind of thinking is we want Georgia to win because we just don't want Alabama to win anymore. And I say outside of Florida fans because you expressed on the last episode that you obviously do not want your mortal enemy. Um, you said it in one of our group chats that Florida is probably the the team slash school that you hate the most and across all sports. So, well, hold on, let's let's pause. I don't I don't hate the institution of, well, no, like, but like of the, the University of Georgia. Of I, I, I am <laughs> I am very pro people going and getting their secondary education. But yes, the Georgia Bulldogs, as a Florida fan, and actually just me personally as like as a sports fan, um, the Georgia. Bulldogs are my least favorite sports team with FSU coming in second. Um, but, you know, FSU is kind of on a little downturn. So it um, it is it is not fun right now um, watching Georgia celebrate. But credit to them. You know, they, they played a they played they played a game. I don't even I don't want to say a great game, but they played a game and they ended up winning it. So congratulations to them. Borba, where do you want to start with this national championship game? I'll go with what do you think the biggest factor was? I'll, I'll, I'll just start shooting questions at you. Okay, I think definitely the biggest factor in the game was the Alabama wide receiver injuries. James I mean, going into yeah. it, Michi had already torn his ACL. He, we knew he was out, um, but arguably the best receiver in the country this season, Jamison Williams, going down on a on a, just a bad play. Everyone immediately when you, when you saw it, we all went, ooh, yikes. They showed the replay only once, and that's kind of a deal where it's like, oh, let's see what happened. They show the replay, and then they never show it again. Yeah, that's that was that's kind of how it was. Um, poor guy. Uh, it's confirmed he tore his ACL. Um, it was interesting to see and, and and good because I think this is the kind of PR that needs to be put out there um, that there was like a tweet that I read that said that the doctors say that he's going to make a full recovery. And they mentioned specifically he's going to maintain his sub four, three, 40 time. So I was like, OK, we're already starting the draft stuff, which good because the man was probably going to be the first wide receiver off the board. Who knows what happens now? I just hope that he he feels better. Hope he recovers fully and, and has a long career that um, he deserves to have and gets paid. But I do think that was the biggest thing because if you watch the game, Bryce Young, I mean, Bryce Young didn't play a fantastic game, but he didn't play a horrible game. Um, 
And I think if you look at it, there was a lot of there were a lot of plays that if you just kind of replace the wide receiver that caught the ball with Jamison Williams, you probably gain an extra 10, 15 yards just because he's that special of a player. And I think that changes the situation, especially in the second half or, or late in the second quarter, because that injury happened like early second quarter, um, like end of first quarter. So I think those moments where they were, I mean, it was 9-6 going into halftime, Bama leading. It was a lot of touchdowns that turned into field goals. And I think with Jamison Williams on the field, even if he doesn't catch the ball to score the touchdown, just him being on the field forces Georgia's red zone defense to shift and play a little bit differently. So I think that was definitely the biggest factor of the game. Um, But also to give credit to Georgia, I don't want to seem like a biased Florida fan. That defense played fantastic. Like that front seven was incredible. Um, It's a testament to how good of a recruiter Kirby Smart is that he can manage to every single position on the field with the exception of quarterback um, was at a hot, the highest level of college football. We mentioned last, I mentioned last time we recorded um, there's a difference between college football and semi-professional football and Georgia and Bama are in that category of semi-professional. Um, the only thing missing was a quarterback. It really was. Um, so for me, those were the biggest factors, the wide receiver injuries for Bama, specifically Jamison Williams, and the way that the Georgia defense played football. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on back of uh, on the back of your Georgia defense take and just mm-hmm. add to it a little bit. Um, they held Alabama, who last or not last week, maybe last it was last week. Yeah, when they when Alabama played against Cincinnati, their game plan was to run down Cincinnati's throw and out physical them. And they try they kind of tried to do that. They trying to they tried to establish the run early and. They had a total of 30 rushing yards. Um, Brian Robinson did finish with 68, but when Bryce Young rushes for a negative 43, um, things go, <laughs> things get a little tough. There were a couple of like deep sacks at the end of the game yep. to kind of skew that that stat. Yeah, that's but, true. But, but I, I was watching the game with some friends, and they actually made the note of every time. If you look at the per, if you remove like sacks and like lot rushes that were for a loss mm-hmm. and you just take that that stat i think they were averaging somewhere between like four and to four and a half yards per rush and i mean if that's me i'm handing the ball off and i'm having them going i understand that the georgia front seven is the best in the country and the best competition you could possibly face at this level but i think that maybe you should have ran a bit more i feel like they they had some success running the ball up until the red zone and then it seemed like they kind of stopped and we're trying to run this kind of spread red zone offense where they were trying to either throw quick slants or they were trying to throw it into the flat or maybe run the tight end hook kind of thing. They they probably should have just ran the ball or at least on first or second down in a very traditional, um, you know, people were like, run the ball, run the ball kind of thing to set up the pass. But um, yeah, I, I think that the running game was better than people give it credit for. The stat obviously skews with the sacks and all the, the minus 40 something that Bryce Young had, but um, I, I liked it. I liked the the idea. It just wasn't going to work uh, against Georgia as it did against Cincinnati because it's just a different level of competition. Yeah, you could tell this like you could tell the SEC championship kind of was hanging over Georgia a lot more than like we all knew it was going to be bothering them. But you could tell they literally they went in, they fixed everything like they Kirby Smart even said it himself that a lot of the players were really mad about the comments that were made after the the blow or not the blow it was a blowout loss in a way um the lost alabama um they they took note of that and you you could tell um i think another thing that kind of hurt alabama was obviously jamison williams going down did not help um because even though he went down in the first half he was he still finished the game as a second 
leading receiver on the team with four catches for 65 yards. So just double but that. Like, imagine, imagine that. Like, yeah, it's like he, he, was probably, he went down at the end of the first, beginning of the second, and he was still the second leading receiver on the team. Right. Know? That's crazy. And so you just have to wonder. But I, I don't want to take away anything from Georgia because every championship team, regardless of sport, regardless of level, you get lucky. You have lucky breaks that fall your way. We could look at the Golden State Warriors in the NBA. They had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love go down the first time they matched up with the Cavs. They had Kawhi Leonard go down um, the next year. So injuries are going to happen. It's a part of the game. Um, to make to make it about myself, Texas, we lost Colt McCoy uh, um, against Alabama in the 2009 championship. And so that's a perfect example, though. Don't don't be afraid to be a homer there. That's a perfect ex- as a neutral. That is a perfect example because Colt McCoy going out of that game, out of that Rose Bowl game, it's completely different. I mean, we'll never know. That was Saban's first national title, but we, we will never know. And and I think Texas might have probably been able to win that game, um, but we'll never know because Colt got hurt. And it's one of those that situation. But when you look back at it, no one talks about um, no one talks about the injury. I mean, Texas fans obviously do. But like as a whole, we don't remember it for that specifically where you remember, oh, that was Saban's first natty because a natty's a natty. Get them how you can get them. You know, they're very rare. Exactly. Um but yeah, outside of Slade Bolden, who had seven catches, who led the team, just didn't have a lot of yards. Um, the rest of Bama's receivers were the oldest one was a sophomore. So that's concern. That's rough for the game. Um, concerning for everyone else's in college football's future because was, they, now, yep. they now have about five <laughs> wide receivers who have national championship experience under their belt who are, were all true freshmen. So that'll be interesting. And then another key player and. This has obviously been beat to death in the media with Stetson Bennett. Um, I'm not going to say he played an amazing game, but he he didn't mess up enough. Basically, he he managed the game the best he could. Um, he the fumble I thought might have been the the sealer for Alabama if they could have capitalized, but they didn't. That was the weirdest fumble ever too. When the guy just like caught it before going out of bounds, just like just to catch it. <laughs> So that that specific play, and I know Georgia fans were in the moment complaining about the, I think it was the first drive of the game on like a third down where the Georgia, the tuck, right? Which which yeah. I think that that call was was done correctly. And then mm-hmm. the the fumble, the, um, the Stetson Bennett fumble, that's the most 50-50 call I've ever seen. Like I, I, can't, I can't tell you one way or another. And I, I like I, if they called it a fumble, I would understand it. If they called it incomplete, I would understand excuse me, I would understand it. Um, but yeah, I didn't think that he, uh, I don't think he got it in terms of the out of bounds thing. And it was, it was very clearly, he was like, oh, okay, this is incomplete pass. I'm just going to kind of grab it, whatever. And it turns out to, to get the ball, but it was really weird. It was really weird. I, uh, overall, I think the officiating was actually pretty decent in this game. Um, yeah, I, I don't there have were, any complaints. I think, I feel like pass interference wise there, I mean, pass interference is always a call that could go either way, but there was some right. deep passes where you could tell that, Pass interference seemed to be the objective. Um, I would say Stetson Bennett kind of throws a Derek Carr type pass interference ball where sometimes he just launches it downfield and like there's like a hope that there's going to be a pass interference. And I would say, well, well that's what the touchdown was that, yeah. that kind of swung the game, right? I mean, it was a free play, but he just chucked it up there and, you know, a freak five star athlete for Georgia went up there and got it. Yeah, exactly. Um, He did have his last quarter and a half, I'll, I'll say, because the end of the third, he did solid as well. Um, that was some MVP of the bowl game type stuff right there. Um, the touchdown drives that he led the team on, that was really impressive. Um, it kind of, he, he kind of gave us a college football hero that we really haven't had in a while. Um, because 
he's a walk-on. I'm sure if you didn't know, Stetson Bennett was a walk-on before he went to a junior <laughs> really? college. I, I don't think the I don't think the broadcast mentioned that enough. Yeah, I don't, they sure. probably didn't mention it. It's not a big story. It's like it's just like this low-key thing. Um, not a people a lot of people know about it, but yeah, he's a walk-on. Like got his chance, went to a junior college, whatever. But the last quarterbacks to win the championship, I saw like the graphic and it kind of blows you away. It's like Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or not Justin Fields, excuse me, Mac Jones. And it's like all these guys that are surefire NFL quarterbacks. You left out, you left out Tua. Was that on purpose? Did you leave out Tua on purpose? Was that a reason why you did No, that? I just got tired of listening to Alabama quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to mention a future possibly not NFL quarterback. No, I'm just kidding. All no. right. All right. <laughs> no, I'm just I've kidding. had a rough week with I'm the just Dolphins. Kidding. No I'm need just to kidding. rub salt in the wound. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's literally like all surefire first round NFL quarterbacks. Like, And then there's um, Stetson Bennett. And so it's a really cool yeah. thing. We, we don't see that often in college football. I think the closest thing we've seen to that was Hunter Renfro. Um, he was a walk-on receiver at Clemson. But at the same time, receiver is different. Um, there's four of them on the field or five of them at times, like whatever. Like you could figure out a way to get multiple receivers on the field. Um, there's only one quarterback on the field. And he there was a five-star on the roster that many people criticized Todd Monken for starting Bennett over uh, JT Daniels. And it turned out to be the right move. Um I got, I got to give Stetson Bennett his kudos. I think he played a great game. I don't think he'll be an NFL quarterback by any means or anything else. Um, no, no, no. But he's not, he's not in your seven round mock draft with no, draft but he, he will have some great stories when he's working at that state farm insurance company or whatever insurance job he picks up after graduation. Um, because th- this is a lifetime memory that he'll never forget. And I think as a cool, cool story. And after the game, um or not even after the game the fourth quarter like when the game was basically over that man was cry- bawling on the sideline bawling. i was watching which honestly like that'd be me like i'm i'm gonna be 100 with you that that is me <laughs> i would be bawling like i i literally and this is true i i daydream about the dolphins winning the super bowl one day and my react like i tear up thinking about it i could only imagine after so long of waiting for a title um, because it's been longer that the Dolphins have won a Super Bowl since Georgia's won a Natty, but whatever, that's another conversation. Um, it, it's I like I have those moments as a fan. I can only imagine what a guy like Stetson Bennett, who grew up in Georgia, walked on to his favorite school, then got the chance, and blah blah blah, all the stuff and all this stuff. You know who he reminds me of? Kellen Moore. He reminds me not not playing wise, but in terms of idolizing and and what he means to a program now. Very much Kellen Moore at Boise State. Like oh. he will be immortalized in that kind of way. Um, I think well, Kellen Moore was a better, better, oh, better yeah. player than he was, and all that stuff. And but it, it really doesn't matter. And like you said, like we haven't really had that cult type hero. And I think everywhere outside of Gainesville, Florida, uh, he will be immortalized in yeah. in, in a college football lore. He's going to be the ultimate trivia question. Um, you know, who's the quarterback that led Georgia to their second ever title, blah, blah, blah. So uh, good for him. Congratulations to him as a person. I think that's fantastic. Congratulations to Georgia. I mean, we can only, you know, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, but, um, uh, don't, don't, uh, you're not going to find me celebrating or, or praising, uh, Stetson Bennett any, any, anytime soon after that's this true. podcast, I will give him his flowers now, but I won't ever give, give him any give more him flowers because he, he's a cultural, he's a cultural icon to put it. Mm-hmm. Put it simply, um, because Georgia's had their fair share of good quarterbacks. They had Stafford, Aaron Murray, um, Jake, Jake Fromm, Jake Eason, Justin Fields. Like, 
even though Jacob Fromm's or Jake Fromm's not the best quarterback, he he still had his chance at a natty. And like none of mm-hmm. these guys were able to do it. And for this guy who should never well, yeah, going back to even better quarterbacks like Matt Stafford, like mm-hmm. there's been a lot of Georgia's never been at a loss of talent or, or access to talent. It's always been a mental thing. And, and if anyone knows anyone who's an Atlanta sports fan, you know how the, the Georgia sports mentality goes. And that reflected in the Bulldogs as well. And so it's it's uh, they finally did it. You know, I'm like, I, what else can I say? They did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they did it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see. Where do you think Georgia ranks next year um, to start the season? Because I personally am of the mindset that regardless of like how bad that team, like say they lost every single person on that roster, just because they won the Natty, I think they should start the season number one out of respect. Now, so we're after doing the first, like a way too early top 25, way too early top 25, just top one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen some rumors that they were going to lose their defensive coordinator and which that would be huge. I mean, they are losing their defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, excuse me. Um, they're going to lose both the coordinators possibly. And so Georgia could have a very different vibe. But if Kirby Smart is anything like his predecessor, which I'm not making the comparison, but if he wants to be uh, or not predecessor, his his mentor, uh, Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. He has to be able to replace staff members every single year as Nick Saban does and continues to do so. Um, so do you think Georgia will be a top tier team next year or where do you see them kind of falling? I do see them. Uh, I see them as if not one, two, but I probably would put them at one. And it's because there are some people transferring out of Georgia, but they're not like the impact players. Um most of the impact players are going to the NFL, especially on that defense. That's true. Um, So I think losing Dan Fleming uh, isn't the end of the world because the defensive coordinator, by the way, for Georgia, he's taking the job at Oregon. I don't think it's the end of the world because, I mean, Kirby's the one that does that defense. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they just elevated Will Muschamp to be the defensive coordinator. And as someone who, because he was on the staff as defensive analyst, and as someone who had Will uh, Will Muschamp as his um, D, as his head coach, and saw him go to Auburn and coordinate, and watched him at South Carolina as a head coach, his defenses has always been fantastic. He is a fantastic defensive mind. Um, your very own Mac Brown named him the head coach in waiting in Texas before he went and he took the Florida job. So like, he's a he's a great mind. No problems with uh, with Georgia's defense and on offense. I truly don't think that the, the that the um, Todd Munkin leaving as the offensive coordinator is a crazy thing. The offense wasn't really good this year. Like it's yet another thing where um, Alab- Georgia beat modern day Alabama playing like Alabama of like 2011. That's kind of the football that we saw that defensive tough nose physical football and kind of the bare minimum on offense. And I think it's indicative that a quarterback in 2021, 2022, a quarterback like Stetson Bennett could lead a team to a national title because he had that kind of defense. You know, AJ McCarron won a national title. Greg McElroy won a national title. These guys aren't good transcendent quarterbacks like we've seen in the past seven or eight years win titles, but they had those fantastic defenses behind them. And they had a great, fantastic running back to go ahead and and, uh, and and do that. And they have that great pairing with set with the uh, Zaire Smith and all those guys on for Georgia. So for me, it's not the craziest, biggest drop off. The only question I have is personnel wise. Can they replace that those seven or eight players on defense that are going to be in the NFL next year? But if history tells me anything and if recruiting for the, over the past few years tells me anything, I'm sure that we're going to be talking about the next Jordan Davis in six months. I'm, I'm positive about it. So 
I, I don't really see Georgia taking a, a massive step back, which is a problem for my Gators, but that's for another podcast. So. That's true. Um, Alabama is obviously going to be back. Um, for all the for all the issues Alabama had during this game or even during the season, because this was technically and I'm not this. I mean, it could be my opinion, I guess, as well, because I said some things about this Alabama team. This was kind of a down year for Alabama, whether you want to admit it or not. Um, Alabama's had way better team overall teams than this team. And this team is still the second best team in the nation and is a healthy receiver away from being the best team in the nation. And so although they are losing some guys, like I mentioned for the receivers that filled in for Jamison Williams and uh, John Mechie were freshmen. Um, their defense still has a lot of good talent. And I'm sure Nick Saban's going to... Nick Saban is going to put these boys on a revenge tour. And week two against Texas, I'm not looking forward to watching my Longhorns um, trying to trying to beat a revenge tour Alabama team. So that'll be not Quinn, fun. Quinn Ewers is going to be on his behind so many times in that game. Just prepare yourself for it. I'm just prepare yourself. The bleached mullet needs to be protected. So hopefully hand well, it off. Isn't it, isn't it crazy that we're, it's like a consensus that this is not a good Alabama team. I get that like a, like a not good Alabama team by their standards could have realistically won the national title with about 15 minutes left in the season. Like let's let's be real. Like, this they, is a down year for them, and that exactly and their down year is like ninety nine point nine percent of America's dream season. Like, hey, the, the goat is the goat. All right, the um, goat is the goat. You know, you know how bad Texas fans or even Florida fans uh, would want to just make it to a national championship and lose. Like, you know how happy yes. they'd be. I, I'm very aware of like how happy they would be. like. <laughs> These fan bases would be ecstatic just to make. I just it want play. to make the playoff. I just, I want to win an SEC title. Like forget the playoff. I just want to win an SEC title. I just that's all win, I need. I right just now. want to win the Big Twelve and not blow twenty point leads against Oklahoma and Red River. But here we are. <laughs> You're running uh, out of time to do that. So yeah, I mean, we have. I would say a you got, year you got one, maybe two more chances to win the Big yeah. Twelve. So we'll see so how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Um, we're gonna shift over to my section of the United States um, and talk about Kayvon Thibodeau, um, the projected. I'll say top five pick in the NFL draft. Um, at one point, he was a surefire number one, but people like Aiden Hutchinson and Evan Neal kind of took that spot away from him. He was making his media rounds today, doing what he do- doing what all prospects do, talking to the media, talking about how their experience was in college, and he had some interesting things to say, to say the least. Um, he was on what show was this? I don't even know what show it was. Kayvon Thibodeau was talking to Joel Klatt. Um, and he was explaining why he picked to go to Oregon over Alabama. Um, he was the number one pick or number one recruit when he was coming out of high school. And basically every program in the nation wanted him. And Alabama, as always, is in the mix for a lot of these top kids. And this was his explanation, Sergio. And I just want to I just want to get your thoughts on it. We'll go we'll go uh, paragraph by paragraph. So, okay. Can I give my thoughts paragraph by paragraph or am I waiting until? The yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you give your thoughts on each section because there's a lot. Yeah, to break down. Okay. So I guess the this article starts off with set and says, Kayvon Thibodeau says he asked himself a question. What world does he want to be a part of? In the end, the answer, what brought the edge rusher to Oregon, not Alabama, to play college football was, do you know the stigmatism of Alabama education? He asked. It ain't the West Coast. So that's the first part that he said. Which, okay. um, I mean, that's contradictory to Cardale Jones's we came to play football, not play school. Um, That's probably the most like academically inclined answer I've ever heard about college football. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say he's wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say he's wrong. An education's that, an education. That is as but... that is as nice as I can put it. And we're going to continue. We're okay, going to move continue, forward. Give me the next on. paragraph. I can't say he's wrong. So he will continue to tell Joel Pratt or, or Joel Clack, excuse me, how Oregon's different and better than other schools. He says, "If I handed you a fishing pole, would you know how to use it?" If I've never learned how to fish or if school has never been important to me or a job or a career has never been important until I was done playing football, how would I ever know how to get a career or job? I won't. And then he says, you know what? I sat back and I thought I sat back and I thought, what world do I want to be a part of? I said, if I go to Alabama, I'm going to win national championships, literally. But do I want to be a guy who's known as a national championship winner or do I want to be known as a guy who's known for being a part of the greatest organization in the world? I'm sorry. In this analogy, is Oregon the greatest organization in the world? I think he's referring to Nike because <laughs> I don't know what Oregon is. Okay. I don't know what the. So Oregon he's is. already. Oh, oh, he's already on the payroll. That's fine. That's all I needed he, to know. Like he was on, on the, the payroll, payroll when he was. That's okay. Like and and listen. I mean, you you and I are of the same mindset. Get your money. <laughs> get your get, bag. However you get the you bag. can. I have nothing wrong with it. He might have had a bag before getting a bag was legal. Like who knows? I mean, allegedly, that, allegedly. That Allegedly. We're not about to get this podcast in trouble. Allegedly, True. I'm just saying that Nike bag comes in many fashions, and so. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then he. Continued. I think. Hold on, wait. Can I can I go back on that one? Oh, go I, ahead. I did like that part. Go ahead. Um. Though. When are you going to need to fish as a football player? Like, like realistically, when he, like, I don't, I don't understand the whole like. I, I I like where he's at mentally because he's clearly saying there's more to life than football. I love that. I think that is fantastic. That's the mentality that you should have. But my guy, uh, I, I like that this is the avenue he's taking so that he doesn't allegedly say that he allegedly um, was given money by Phil Knight, allegedly. So I, I like that this is the route he's taking. So that that's, I, that's what I want to say about that paragraph. I thought it was interesting. I don't know. I feel like in today's age where – Everything is about besides money because everything's about money now. But college football, a lot of the top recruits they want to win. Um, usually, the only time we see top recruits not go to a powerhouse is if they're it's an in-state school or if they have family ties to that school. And so, I thought that was interesting that he kind of said that he valued the overall college experience compared to his overall football experience. Um, yeah, I think that's a little in a way like inadvertently degrading to Oregon because he like kind of made it sound like he knew going to Oregon, he was not going to win a national championship, which I mean, he didn't, but like I, that fe- feels like a weird statement to me. I, I could just be nitpicky. He was what he was class of 19, right? Yes, I believe class of 19. Right. So at that point you kind of know, you know, you, you know, you know, going into it, that the Pac-12 isn't what it was in the mid 2000s, or what it hopefully can be with now Lincoln Riley out at USC and you know revitalized Pac- Pac-12. But yeah, I, I guess. Um, but I like that he's a realist. I like that he has his head on his shoulders. I think that he's going to make a fantastic pro, not just because of um, his football skills, but clearly the clearly the kid is is um, is an intelligent guy and. And and I, I like that, you know, I, I'm very much someone that believes this is just my personal belief that, you know, your your job shouldn't um, overtake your entire life. There's many aspects to being a human being. Um, and I think that he has sort of an idea of that. And I think that's very good because football to him is a, to us. It may be more 
But to him, it's a job, you know, and I'm sure he loves football and I'm sure all this stuff because well, he wouldn't be doing I'm it. I'm glad like you're it. saying this. That's a perfect unintentional segue to the next paragraph, Sergio. Beautiful. Um, he continues on saying what people don't realize is that football is an American sport. So no matter how great Alabama is, you only play football in America, Canada and a couple other places. But a brand like Nike. I mean, for me. It was like, what brand associations do I want to be tied to? For me, I already hate the stigmatism of football players being dumb jocks. Do you know the stigmatism of of Alabama education? It ain't the West Coast. It ain't Harvard. And that is how. This, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. This my man. My man is looking out for the bag, looking out for the bag. That is how every college athlete should think. I love this man. I because love this man. In reality, this is and this is the old adage for any sport. If you could play the game, the scouts will find you. And yeah. so wherever Thibodeau is going to go, it's like uh, Travis Hunter and um, Kevin Coleman, the kids that five and four stars that signed with Jackson State. If you're good enough at Jackson State, they the NFL scouts will find you. And yep. Kayvon Thibodeau is a prime example of this. He went to Oregon, um, even with a few like solid seasons not too great Oregon didn't win a Pac-12 championship like I mean they won one but Oregon was not contending for the playoff he was never in jeopardy of not being an NFL draft pick never in jeopardy of not being a first rounder so he knew that ulterior motives such as long-term partnerships with Nike um, brand deals once NIL was legalized because I don't know if you remember but when NIL first came about he had the most craziest Nike thing I like everybody else was like no I'm gonna partner with Canes I'm gonna partner with this local restaurant he was like me and Nike have been working on this art project and I was like what does that even mean like what do you mean an art project (laughs) and so he he said he said oh now now Nike and I can go public (laughs) yeah (laughs) I don't have to hide this anymore (laughs) They went from dating in secret to posting on the gram. They were officially. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) He went from a sneak, a sneaky link to being the main squeeze on the gram. That's exactly what happened. Pretty much. And so I just thought that was interesting. Um, We talked about this before the show. He also had some interesting takes about his experiences during the high school opening stuff, which is like where all the top high school prospects compete. Um, I didn't get the whole context of it, so I don't want to make him sound silly, but he basically was saying that he was going head to head with, Evan Neal and like I think it was in terms of like why he felt like regardless of where he went he'd be fine compared to the top competition because he's already shown his his merit against the top competition um the video was in fact edited by a fan who included an Evan Neal highlight of him smack smacking Thibodeau and not allowing the sack but I think Thibodeau's talking his game it's draft season so draft season is where you hype yourself up um there could be not that much money on the line for him because he's going to be a top five, top 10 pick at worst. Um, mm-hmm. But there could be a few million dollars on the line for him. So him talking, I think he's, up, I think at worst he's top five. I think he, I think he goes, I mean, it, I think he's got, he's fantastic. He had, he had a inj- couple injury issues. So, I mean, if teams want to nitpick, this is, this yeah. is a defensive heavy draft. And so defense is going to go early and fast. Um, we're probably not going to see a quarterback being taken until maybe, Unless it's a reach, because I feel like if you take a quarterback in the top 10 in this draft, it might be considered a reach long term. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. But top 10 at worst, top five is probably where he'll land. Um, don't worry, people. I'll say, we- I'll say this. He's better than Aiden Hutchinson. We'll, Aiden put, it, Hutchinson, we'll put it there. I liked Aiden Hutchinson and his story and like everything. 
And then I saw him play against Georgia, and I was just like, yeah, there's a really big difference between the SEC and like everybody else. And that was the semi-pro yeah. thing that you said, but but that's not his. But that's not his fault. That's he's still no. a great talent. Like yeah, I think he'll be great talent. in the NFL. I just think Thibodeau's a better player, and I, would, I if I was a GM, I would take him over. I I'm of the mindset. Um, there's two teams. I think it's both the New York teams actually um, that have two uh, top ten picks. Um, mm-hmm. If you could somehow get both of them and just have them on the opposite sides of each other. That'd, that'd be, be fun. That'd be fun. Um, me and Sergio will do a mock draft when the time comes near. We did one last That's year um, for our radio show at Quinnipiac, and I believe we got 12 out of the fir- first 32 picks correctly, which last year's draft kind of had a lot of weird turns that we weren't really accounting for. There were a lot of trades and yeah. stuff that Ours happened were, on draft night. And so we were in no trade um, mock just because it's hard to account for what people are going to do. There's a lot of quarterbacks that might be in play, but we will do mock drafts for you guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to cover the Cave on Thibodeau saga. And then moving on, we talked about this last episode. Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. He's ca- he's causing a whirl- whirlwind of movements. And so we talked about his top suitors. And I believe your top suitor was USC or it was one of your top couple. I think it, I think if I'm being honest, my my top my number one was I thought he would stay at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I said, if he if he didn't go to Oklahoma. USC was second and third was wherever Joe Brady was if, right. if he ends up somewhere. So I Twitter, the Twitter verse, not sure when this picture was taken, but there's a picture leaked of him in a full USC uniform with many speculating that that would be for his commitment picture. Um, he has crystal balls everywhere to USC. Um, everybody's predicting him to go to USC. His family has allegedly been in uh, Southern California for the past week or so. And other players have been visiting USC as well. And then Jackson Dart, who was supposed to be the prodigal son at USC after, excuse me, after Keaton Slovis left, he transferred, or he's in the portal now. So that leaves the USC job up for grabs, air quotes up for grabs, because I'm sure they have a guy coming in that they are well aware of. But I think this kind of solidifies the Caleb Williams to USC narrative and Although we both kind of thought that the betrayal, or at least I thought it would play a factor, the betrayal from Lincoln Riley, it obviously didn't play a factor if he does go there. Um, what are your thoughts on Caleb Williams going to, to USC? And do you have any idea where Jackson Dart will go? I have a few a few guesses. So I pulled up the 247, uh, the 247 um, transfer portal, because it's the best, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the best, um, that we have essentially. Yep. Um, so number one, obviously is Caleb Williams. You're, it says a hundred percent, um, USC right here. All those crystal balls. Yeah, you're right. Um, Hmm. Where could Jackson dart go? That's a great question. Um, I can give you some context. He's from Utah, um, corner Canyon, mm-hmm. which is where Zach Wilson went. Yeah. I remember watching his commitment video. So he his has commitment been- on ESPN. Being from Utah, he kind of has the BYU ties already. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Whether he's Mormon, I don't know. But there's that. Um, Graham Harrell just took the offensive coordinator job at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then Ole Miss is in the market as well for a quarterback because there was a quarterback by the name of Cam Ward uh, from Incarnate World that was linked there, but he went to Washington State. And then mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel, as we know, ended up at Oklahoma. So yeah. o- Ole Miss... 
while they do have Luke Altmar, Meyer, whatever his last name is, who uh, replaced mm-hmm. Matt Corral in the bowl game, they kind of have an open spot. Right. Um, Man, this is a tough one. This really is a tough one as to where Jackson Dart could end up because we all thought Jackson Dart was going to be the one to take over this coming season. He played really well in, in his moments this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a four star coming out of high school and, you know, two, four, seven gives like a live update and he was, he's up now and given a five star, um, as a, as a transfer. So listen, man, um, I could see him going somewhere. I could see him going somewhere big in terms of brand name. I can see him going, I know he's from Utah, but I could see him coming down to the South. I could see him going to somewhere like LSU who has an opening at, a, at the quarterback position. I can see him going uh, maybe somewhere like uh, and, A&M. A&M took in Max Johnson, but honestly, like if, if it was me, man, I'd, I'd just take, I would just take Jackson Dart and say, listen, man, you're going to compete. You know what I mean? There's another interesting, because uh, he's visited Oklahoma, or he's going to visit mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Ole Miss. Those are the two schools that he's, supposed to visit and i thought the oklahoma one was interesting because if oklahoma does take him that means they're not sold on dylan gabriel or it's like yeah we'll take you dylan but we also want jackson dart and i feel like that'd be quite i think i think when you look at i think when you look at both what dylan gabriel has done at you you um ucf in the past and also what jackson dart did this season i can understand why they want to bring both in and have them compete um I, i mean when you look back like the reason that Dylan Gabriel is at Oklahoma is because Jeff Levy got the offensive coordinator job and Jeff Levy was his coordinator at UCF. So I know that he fits that offense well, but Jackson Dart can do so many more things. Like the, the thing with Dylan Gabriel is that he has a cannon of an arm um, and he can, he can, he's a bit mobile. He's not like a running quarterback, but he can get out of the pocket to get space so he can throw that deep ball down the field. Jackson Dart's a bit more of a complete quarterback. So if I was Oklahoma, I'd bring them both in, have them compete. I mean, that's that's what competition is. That's what football is. Um, and then the other school was Ole Miss. Ole Miss actually lost out on Cameron Ward, the transfer from that FCS school. He ended up going to Washington State. That's a really good get for Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um, he's ranked as the fourth best quarterback behind Caleb Quinn and Jackson Dart in the transfer portal. So he's already enrolled at Washington State. He's he's there already. He has four years of eligibility. Um I would, I could see him going to Ole Miss. I think, given the fact that Dylan Gabriel is at is at Oklahoma, even though I don't think that's a deterrent for Oklahoma themselves, that may be a deterrent for Jackson Dart. So maybe he wants to just go to go over there, play under the Ole Miss system, uh, play under Kiffin system, and maybe have some fun there d- doing it. So and that's that's kind of where I would I would say my gut tells me right now. But don't yeah. also don't rule out him going back to home and going to BYU. Because it's not like uh, BYU had a killer at quarterback this season. He played well, but his name is escaping me. I remember he, he he played really well. But, I mean, you mean to tell me that they wouldn't? It was between USC and BYU in his initial uh, high school recruit recruiting. Yeah. So you don't think that Ken uh, – uh, um, I can't pronounce his last name. But uh, the, the the BYU coach wouldn't take him? Of course he would. Oh, so. Sataki, Kalani Sataki. Kalani Sataki. There we go. Kalani yeah, um, they had Jaron Hall and then um, – they also had a Romney at quarterback as well. The Romney transferred, um, which is shocking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I feel like a lot of these schools like have like a quarterback as an option. But when you get yeah. like 
there, like I think we've seen that this transfer season, this is like our first real transfer season as well with a lot of movement because of the coaches movements, but there's like five guys in this class. Um, Caleb Quinn Jackson. Now uh, Cam Ward, uh, Dylan Gabriel, you could even argue that wherever these guys go, like they're coming in and expecting to be the starters. So they don't care who's there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Dylan Gabriel committed to UCLA when DTR wasn't even like he, he just announced that he was coming back. So we just found right. out like yesterday that DTR a couple days ago that DTR was coming back. So these guys aren't afraid to go anywhere because of talent. And it's like, we've never had this many high level college experience quarterbacks on the market. And so mm-hmm. it is interesting. Um, I think, I think, I think one more school, by the way, I'm looking at the portal right now. One more school that I think would be smart to take him in is Auburn because mm-hmm. Auburn took in, um, Zach Calzada. He committed. It doesn't say that he's enrolled or signed. So maybe, you know, that could kind of get out of that one if they want or just bring him in. You know, um, I think that um, that Boise State type offense that they're running down there over at Auburn, he fits that very well. I think he would do well in that area. So I guess it's basically SEC West or Oklahoma at this point. You know, yeah, and if I were much. him, I would pick one of the two SEC West schools just because I know for a fact that would be the best option there. So I'm, get some I'm disappointed in. I've never been so attached to a player or school that I don't follow that have like I follow UC, USC, but I don't I'm like mm-hmm. a, not a diehard fan. The kid just right. looks like such a USC quarterback. He's got the long yeah. blonde curly hair. Um, He in game. He wore puka shell necklaces. So that is so <laughs> California. That is so California. It hurts. That is like the when people hear I'm from California, that's what I what that's automatically what they assume my lifestyle is exactly. like puka shell necklaces, yes. surfing and like. That is what the total embodiment and Jackson Dart is on the move. Um, I did see one thing that'd be interesting is if he goes to West Virginia and follows um, Graham Harrell because West Virginia lost Jared uh, Daigie, their quarterback to the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, they take yeah. on Pitt in one of their week or couple of week, a uh, couple first week games, excuse which is me, where- excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. This isn't just, they take on Pitt. This is the return of the backyard brawl. This is one of the best rivalries in college football. Story time with Sergio. So I was living in Morgantown, West Virginia. I was working an acting job. I was there for about six weeks to two months. And it was a couple shows that I was doing. It was a summer stock gig. They put me up in a house, whatever. But it was the it was at the theater at West Virginia's campus. So I was like living in Morgantown in West Virginia's campus. The theater was next to the stadium. Like I was I was there as if I was a student. It was right after I graduated undergrad and most of the people who were there working with me were my age, just graduated, but most of them were from West Virginia's theater program. So they knew the place, they knew everything. It was awesome. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so we would go out after shows and rehearsals and stuff. So we would go out and like, it's a college town. So even though it was summer, like there was still stuff to do. So we'd go out to these bars and these barcades and, and these, and these clubs. And it was awesome. And every single bar we went to, at the end of the night, they would play Sweet Caroline because I guess that that's like something that West Virginia play. That's like the won't back down for Florida. Um, y- you know, that's just the song that that they do. Um, they obviously play Country Roads as well, but they play Sweet Caroline. So when it goes Sweet Caroline, bum, 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 instead of saying bum, 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 they say eat uh, poop. But like a more aggressive word starts with an S, ends with a hit. I don't want to curse on the pot. I don't want to get flagged. <laughs> Um, eat bump, eat that pit. And I was like, wait, pause. What? Cause I knew about the backyard bra. I knew that it was a little rivalry. And I went to this like guy that was there after a couple nights. And I was like, Hey man, um, 
why do you guys still yell this? And he was like, I was like, you guys haven't played in like a decade. Like, is that rivalry still alive? He goes, oh, yeah, we don't like Pitt. I was like, but you haven't played in a decade. Like, you have never you have never seen it. You will never see it as a student. Why does this affect you guys? And he goes, oh, no, no. It's resentment. It's Pitt's like an hour and a half away from Morgantown. Like, they're down the road from each other. So this is a rivalry where they hate each other. They hate each other. And that's why it was backyard brawl. It all goes back to 07 when Pitt was like at four and seven or whatever. And uh, West Virginia was on the cusp of playing for a national championship and Pitt beats them in Morgantown. Like that's, it's going to be fun. But sorry, that was just, I love that rivalry game because I kind of have experienced it secondhand. And I'm so excited for that. That's a game where I will be sitting on my couch. That's the game I'm watching. I'm, I'm very excited for that. So, so yes, they are playing. And I know where you're going with this. Because um, one by the name of Keaton Slovis transferred yes, to Pitt, so if so, if he goes to West Virginia, it'll be Jackson Dart taking on Keaton Slovis, two former USC quarterbacks, uh, in 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 the in in one of the in the one of the most hated, most heated rivalries in all of college football that we haven't played in a decade and a half. Oh, mm-hmm. that would be awesome! Could you imagine this? Like ran, the backyard bra comes back, and both of the quarterbacks are USC transfers. Like it's just. <laughs> It's like a, a personal USC battle combined with like all this like weird like Pitt slash West Virginia hatred. Game day, if, if you don't go to this game, I think it's in Pitt this year because they're playing a, a home and home. So it's the next two seasons. So Pitt, I think it's in Pitt this year. If, if game day doesn't go to Pittsburgh for this game, oh, shame, they, on, shame on shame on everyone. <laughs> they must. They must. Shame go on to everyone. This game. Um, they I think have to go. They have to go. I, I personally would put him going to Ole Miss just because. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss is they're kind of on the come up because I think Matt Corral for how good he was I think he could still be considered a bridge quarterback to the futures of success for that program and they just took in um, Zach Evans the TCU transfer running back Lane Kiffin is always always kicking it hold on don't 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 undersell that Zach Evans transfer he was one of the most coveted players in 2020 in his recruiting class and he's got like four, three years of eligibility left. He was at TCU. It that man can and, play some football. It, him and Bijan were like 1A, 1B, whatever, however you wanted to put it. Um, the reason that Bijan ended up being number one was because Zach had a lot of off-the-field issues. Um, he's an interesting personality. Uh, we saw this in both his recruitment and his transfer and even his tenure at TCU. He, It seems like, I don't want to say trouble finds him, but odd instances always find this kid. And so if he could, if Ole Miss could keep him bought in, and just keep him happy. That'd be a great pairing, in my opinion, because they did not have a oh, running yeah. back that talented last year. They kind of had a committee, and Matt Crow was their leading rusher anyway. So, well, well, what people also get the misconception that a Lane Kiffin offense is like an air raid, and it's not. It's it's fast. It, they throw downfield a lot, but it's not an air raid. They run a lot of running plays, and and having a good complementary running back will open up that type of deep ball that Kiffin wants to play. Kiffin's also the kind of guy, I saw it at FAU, and I saw it a couple times at Ole Miss last year. Kiffin's the guy that if a play works and he gets 12 yards, he'll run it again. And the second time, he'll just get eight yards, and then he'll run it again. And on the third time, he'll get like four yards, and then he'll switch it up. But he's like, if it's working, I'll go with it. So if Zach Evans can just pummel his way on a court, on a, on a halfback draw or a halfback toss to the outside and get 15 yards, he's going to get the touches again. Like, that's just how Lane works. That's his that's his brain. That's his mind. I think that's why so many people like watching Lane Kiffin's offense because 
Lane Kiffin's offense is all right. It's how I play NCAA, but a bit more refined and like on national television. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Uh, it, it's more professional um, in a way. Also, I'm I'm throwing in a surprise ending topic for you because I know you're a man, of, a man of a man of the bets, a man of the betting world. I uh, I will. I have to go back to saying allegedly I am now because it is it is paused in the state of Florida. There is no in Connecticut when it or in New York when it was legal when we were there. Mm-hmm. We we partook in some uh-huh. some throwing away of the money, if you will. <laughs> we may or may not have allegedly. May allegedly, or may not uh, Fox Sports' Jason McIntyre released his four best his four best future bets to make right now, okay. and so he's betting on teams to win the championship. And right now, Alabama and Georgia are both sitting at um, basically the, the two best odds at plus two hundred to win the national championship, which pretty solid mm-hmm. odds um at this moment mm-hmm. your florida right. gators grace the list it's a top 10 list and they grace the list at number 10 with plus 5000 odds what okay for, th- for those of you that don't that don't bet when we say plus 5000 that means if you bet $100 your payout will be $5000 so when he says plus 200 for georgia and bama if you bet $100 your payout will be $200 if they say minus if they say minus 100, then in order to win $100, you would have to bet $100. So that's when people say like a minus 350 line isn't really the best odds. It's because you have to put down $350 to win 100. So that, that's that's how it works. Now with futures, Borba, yes, in theory, plus 200 to win the national title is good odds. But that's like if I'm entering the playoff if I know it's like right there, I've been watching throughout the season. But a future, I want to maximize value with odds, with real, not realism, but it, this could happen. You know what I mean? That's kind of how a future plays because when you put down the future, you put $100 down for, for your future, that money's tied up in your account. So like you can't access that money. So if I'm not going to be able to access that money for the entire, for a, a whole calendar year, that payout better be worth it if it hits. You know what I mean? I feel you. So, so what? What was the question? What's what? What do you? Are you asking me which one I would take amongst? Um, well, he he gave us four um, future national championship bets okay. uh, for next season. And I, I first of all, I wanted you to guess them. Um, Florida is not one of them, by the way. I was just including them no. because they are in the top ten odds. But who would you guess his top four are? Um, Georgia's in there. Bama's in there. Bama, two, yes. To re- no Georgia. No Georgia. Okay, so Bama. I'd be interested to see what the future's odd, what the future is on Ohio State. That is one of them. They're plus 750. Mm-hmm. Plus 750? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. That, that looks pretty good. Um. Because Ohio State's, they're not losing much. And as seen, we saw in the Rose Bowl, the people that they lost were easily re- mm-hmm. replaced by Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Their their recruiting's not an issue with them. Talent's not a problem with them. Um, and they also revamped their whole like defensive staff too. So yeah, the the last um, two, I'll give you their conference: SEC West and Pac-12. Okay, Texas A&M. Yep. And uh, USC. I I'm gonna assume. Yes, USC. Um, Texas A&M's at plus yeah. three thousand. Um, I can't help but think that they're 
their recruiting class this past year, which is the highest recruiting class of all time, highest ranked recruiting class. Yeah. I assume that's a factor. Um, I don't see how else it wouldn't be. Definitely. definitely. And then uh, USC is at plus 8,000, which I feel like Lincoln Riley will win a national championship at USC. Mm-hmm. I think he will. Um, I'm a firm believer. So I think they might even make the playoff within the next two years. I don't think they'll win a championship within the next two years, though. No, there's a lot of work to be done at, at that program. There is. Uh, yeah. I think of those four, Borba, I think I would take Ohio State plus 750. Yeah. Because that's, I might, I would put, I would put $100 on that plus 750. I would actually, I would honestly even put, what was, what was AM plus 2000? Yeah, they were plus 2000 or plus 3000, excuse me. I'd put like 50, three, I'd put like 50 bucks on that. I would. Because I think, I think in order for AM to win, what you're banking on there is you're banking on, Alabama having another like mediocre type year, which I think is possible with the guys that are be- now becoming juniors and seniors and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're banking on them beating whoever comes out of the East. And that was me being generous as a Florida fan. We know it's going to be Georgia next year. Um, you're banking on that. Like they can't replace that defense. And then you're also banking on they're able to beat a team like an Ohio state or, or a um an Oklahoma or even a Texas if they take the step the second step up you know what I mean like um that that that's worth fifty bucks for me those those yeah. if you gave me one hundred and fifty bucks and you said you could only spend it on futures I'd put a hundred dollars on Ohio State and I'd put fifty bucks on AM. yeah Ohio State I think is probably the safest bet uh, I'm looking at their schedule right now for next year just to be a, a psychopath and I didn't realize week one they open up against Notre Dame which I feel like will they be a, a cool game. And then but that's go, at home, and that's Mark, Marcus Freeman coming back to Columbus. Oh, that's true. That and then mm-hmm. no. they don't have a challenging game until Michigan State. They do have a tough stretch, though. They go Michigan State at Michigan State, excuse me, versus Iowa at Penn State at Northwestern versus Indiana at Maryland versus Michigan. Like I feel like that's a that's a tricky stretch. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think the, the the tricky stretch is is just those first three games: the at Michigan State, the versus Iowa, and yeah. the at Penn State. That's the tricky side, and that's only if Penn State ends up having a little bit of bounce back. Because I don't know, man, Penn State still is a just a big question mark for me right now. So we'll see how that hey, goes. Sean, um, their quarterback is back. Sean Franklin, not Sean Franklin. What, what is his name? Why is his name eluding me right now? Yeah, oh man, now it's eluding me too. Franklin because of that's because that's of James coach. Franklin. His coach. name is Sean. I, what is his his name? I'm, Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford. There we go. Oh my God, the Sean Clifford experience lives on. Um, I'm sure we will exchange many texts where it's like, oh wow, Sean Clifford just threw a 70 yard pass and then he throws like a interception at the goal line because why not? Because that's Sean yeah. Clifford. That's the that Sean Clifford experience. That is a Sean Clifford experience. This has been <laughs> the tailgaters experience. Um, I'm your host, Kevin Borba. This is Sergio de la Esperia, and this is on the Believe Podcast Network. You can get this podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcast. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. Um, if you want to talk gambling, whatever, leave a review, talk to us, tell us what you want to know, and we will see you guys next week. Any last things? Any last thoughts, Sergio? Go Gators. Okay, baby. See you guys next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.